gentlemen, welcome to episode 219 of the 1099. Today, I have a very special guest on the show. She's a news editor over at Gama Sutra. She's a co-host of the GDC podcast, which, as I am informed, started two months ago, and you should go check it out. And she is a Game Informer intern alum, just like yours truly, and my dear friend, Alyssa McCallum. How are you doing, Alyssa? Hello. Uh, I don't want to put you on blast, but you said my last name wrong, dear friend. You know what? I, I was going <laughs> to ask you, and then I'm like, fuck it. We live on the internet. Like, how do you how, say my last name? I dare you. Uh, noop. Okay. It's a little easier. Than <laughs> no, it's fine. I've gone through definitely and been on like uh, streams or something where I will pronounce a normal everyday word you can look up in a dictionary and people will be like, Alyssa, what the hell are you saying? That's not how you say that. <laughs> be like i only type i type uh my dear friend my dear friend. <laughs> good That's to good. talk to we, you it is it is great to talk to you too i missed you and uh i i was thinking back like we we of course met through the game informer internship uh, we, we were one semester apart from each other but you came back down for like a halloween party or something mm-hmm. and uh i i knew i liked you because you were you were like me you're the person at the halloween party cuddling with the dog <laughs> and uh i i very much appreciated that yeah about and you. a couple cats too so it was a good it was a good crowd mm-hmm. there were people in attendance but there's some good cats there's some good cats and dogs <laughs> old yoshi and shadow facts uh and then uh as in the couple of years since then uh i've been really proud of you you got a, a great job over at gama sutra as news editor yeah um, that was about a year ago oh. or more uh so i started at gama sutra as a contributing editor just doing a freelance news shift in october 2016 Uh, And then in April, I was brought on full-time as the news editor and an associate publisher. I do some, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, too. But for the most part, I just handle uh, an eight-hour news beat, which is exciting. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, I I love writing news a lot. It's great. I'm, like, one of, like, the few people who's like, yeah, give me a press release. I'm, I'm in for it. That that similar with me and IGN, I, I show up and I try to, you know, claim as much work as I can, like Monday through Wednesday. Uh, and and it, it, I'm sure it's a little easier for you since you're like on a beat. Um, but yeah, there are days where I'm like, I don't know jack squat about fire emblem but like if you want me to write that up boss like sure that's twenty dollars and i can belt that thing out in 30 minutes twenty dollar googling session and figure it out exactly yeah uh wikipedia is a source i was gonna make a fire (laughs) emblem joke earlier but now i know it would not land so i will (laughs) (laughs) well here today we are going to be talking about uh we're going to be doing a review episode because that is always fun and a little easier than scheduling like big bombastic guests uh like you know, I can't always be aiming for, like, Tim Schafer or weird, wacky shit like that. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about Untitled Goose Game by House House, uh, the the meme that has taken over my Twitter feed. Uh, we're going to be talking about Control, Remedy's latest game, the uh, weird... It's always, it always comes back to X-Files for them. And then I, a portion of the show I know will make Alyssa here very happy, uh, Hitman 2, the hitman 2 final level of at least 2019 was released haven island and uh, as we were discussing before we started recording i've basically been looking for an excuse to have her on the show and let her gab about hitman because i also (laughs) i also adore hitman but maybe i'm pretty sure you've got like 
a lot more love for it. I fell hard. Yeah, no, I'm really glad you have it on the itinerary because otherwise you'd have to deal with me like finding a way to work it into other conversations. I mean, like, well, Gooseman exactly. is actually a lot like the design of Hitman 2016 Sapiens. <laughs> and you're stealing my segues. <laughs> <laughs> I, I left I left Hitman 2 at the end of our itinerary because I, I want to have no pressure <laughs> to move into something Don't else. Don't suffocate here, so. the other content with uh, me talking about Hitman. <laughs> exactly. But speaking of people who slink around the shadows and probably are there to kill or at least annoy you uh, untitled goose game from house house this was uh this was a really pleasant experience and i was definitely one of those i think this game got so popular uh or at least like had the platform to start getting popular because journalists would see this at an event like it was at gdc it was at a couple of like tertiary like party events uh at at like e3 or or gdc like indicate whatnot mm-hmm. and everyone's just like untitled goose game like we, we're used to seeing like hey here's a here's a metroidvania game here's a roguelike looking game here's a, a zombie shooter here's a fucking goose game <laughs> i can write about that i can include that in my indie game roundup oh, yeah. yeah no i think like the first exposure i had to it was on there was some some tweet that was just this short it was like a video or a gif of the goose and like that first level you go through and just like being an absolute dick to that gardener and just like taking the thing and like hiding exactly. in the grass and like that was like the moment where i'm like holy shit this game is like it was a, i don't know if, if it was a game or like a concept at that point in time but like I'm glad it was able to materialize and get the attention that it did, and now it is Untitled Goose Game in all its glory. <laughs> yeah, and uh, w- w- I think I first saw it at AGDC like three years ago. This is one of those games that definitely uh, d- had no some time in the oven. <laughs> to- had some time in the oven, man. Um, but I think for me, it was the waddling animation of the goose and just kind of seeing his charming little puffy tail butt uh walk as he you know goes around terrorizing small children Mm -hmm. and gardeners uh i i mentioned it like aloud i said it aloud when i was like watching someone else play and there's like a small crowd gathering around the demo station and then a couple other people were like yeah no the butt really is like (laughs) really fun but uh, for those who don't know I, untitled goose game it's almost exactly what it sounds like you are a goose on a mission to annoy the shit out of everyone in this very quaint peaceful uh, idyllic english countryside town um there are a lot of similarities actually to hot fuzz for reasons i won't spoil here but uh, uh i think the charm of this game really is partially because of its ease like there's no fail state it's just like the goose kind of gets shooed away as you would to a real animal but also like the puzzles are like rather than how do i eliminate this person as you might in hitman uh how do i how do i get this thing to interact with this thing over here i don't know did i assume you finished it Alyssa? yeah i sat down and i think i finished like you can go through um each of like the four levels i think off the top of my head um and there's like a to-do list and then once you finish the entire game quote unquote there's a like secondary to-do list of like these slightly more complex things you can do and then i immediately like sat down and did that and like this was all in the span of like a day i wasn't gonna buy this game at launch and then I saw uh, somebody on Twitter shared, like, a 10-second long video of them annoying some character in the game, just, like, taking something from them, and, like, the goose was flapping its wings, and the way the uh, NPC was, like, animated just looked so, like, 
there was so much personality and just like the shrugging of the shoulders <laughs> and how frustrated they yeah. were. It like it won me over <laughs> right away because I thought it was like this highly like this animated trailer made to like have these moments that kind of like hook you and make there oh there's so much personality in the game, but it was just like the in-game animations doing that and having mm-hmm. that much appeal through like a Nintendo Switch like 10 second share button clip. And like I went and I bought it and I played it in like tw- the next 24 hours from there. Uh, yeah, there, there is a lot of, there's a surprising amount of character. Um, and I, I actually got the chance, my daily dot editor was like, Hey, I, I would like a review of this. So I whipped one out like in a half a day, really not even, uh, because the game, yeah, the game is, uh, about two hours long, uh, one and a half to two hours long, I'd say, depending on, uh, how good you are at kind of games like that. Mm -hmm. And for me, like stylistically, one of the cooler elements of this or at least the more like sadistically attractive elements was you're terrorizing people who themselves are kind of like annoying and and have their <laughs> own like small town busybody nature there's there's a, a female shopkeeper uh there is a like old man guarding the entrance to the like local tavern there's a little boy who you can chase around who is like straight up terrified of geese and he kind of i'm stealing this from someone else runs like he has a a full pamper you know (laughs) Uh, i mean in his defense geese are like legitimately terrifying in real life like their teeth are nightmare contraptions. It's like a like a xenomorph, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good like if they had taken like a realistic art kind of um, take on this game, it would have been more closer to horror than like a puzzle stealth. Exactly. I, I'm still waiting on. The, Twitter has been full of memes of the oh, yes. goose, but I am waiting on someone to do like a, a clip of the xenomorph and alien isolation. <laughs> Smaller like goose descent- comes out of his mouth. <laughs> Exactly, or like descending from one of the uh, ventilation shafts, uh, and it's just a goose instead of the xenomorph. Please you know? pause recording. I need to go do a Photoshop right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the 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 idea that like I was uh, harassing these people who themselves were kind of like annoying small town busybodies. Uh, the, the best example I, I can pull from is I think the third level. Uh, you find your way into this set of side-by-side yards and there's a gentleman reading the newspaper and kind of smoking a pipe, drinking tea uh, at his, on his like porch. And then there's immediately across the, the like shrub, the like waist high shrub is a middle-aged looking lady who's like keeping real busy, tending her various flower pots and uh decorating statues and she the through that animation you can see that she's a nosy person because she's always like leaning into the the bushes to like kind of see like is this is my neighbor up to anything juicy Mm -hmm. and the the guy himself is uh kind of given this like kind of paranoid like I don't know, just bothered by everything kind of thing because he'll sit there like flipping through his newspaper and will close it and suddenly peep out to the side and i'm like that was the first moment where someone, like, I was afraid that, like, oh, I'm going to get caught. Like, I'm busted. Like, I'm going to get, I'm going to lose the game, even though you can't really do that kind of thing. But that put, like, the, the stealth instinct, like, kicked in at that point. Like, oh, this guy isn't messing around. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I stole, like, everything from that man. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I just kind of deposited it, like, just outside of his reach. So he would go back to his table. And once he 
he didn't have he had his newspaper mm-hmm. still but like he didn't have his tea or his like smoking pipe so you can see him occasionally like fold his hands and just be like mondays <laughs> damn goose uh but what did what did you think about the the puzzles themselves uh, my my general thought was like pretty good I, it was never like my first guess was the correct one yeah there were a couple of them like really two i think that i had to go and use the hard work of one of the very hard-working guide editor freelancers out there guide editing freelancers out there uh mm-hmm. to like figure out the solution to something because some of them just like i wouldn't have in a hundred years like um the extra puzzle to like get thrown over the fence there's no way i would have figured that one out like not ever but i think one of the cool things about this game came out a little over a week before we're recording. Um, and I've, since then, I played it the first few days, had the time to go over to hang out with some other friends who were playing the game for the first time. And just seeing they would, instead of, like, open the to-do list and look at, like, okay, I need to do X, I need to solve this puzzle, this puzzle, this puzzle, they would just be a goose and start messing around and dragging things around. And then suddenly, like, a, oh, you trapped the boy in the phone booth thing would pop up. And they'd be like, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. So there's, like, a lot of it that's this weird kind of, like, intuitive just from being, like, the dick you want to be. You can mm-hmm. solve the puzzles, and then that kind of teaches you more about, like, how to solve the other puzzles just from that kind of natural interaction with the gameplay, which was, like, super cool to see maybe people who aren't so big into puzzle games discovering how to solve things from just goofing around, which I think is, like, it's a very Hitman-like design in that way. But, I don't know, the puzzles are, <laughs> the puzzles are good, and it's great. <laughs> I I liked uh, you raise a good point about it's one of those puzzle games where yeah uh, if you are stuck on something try try just going over to one of the other puzzles or or attempting to you know address a different puzzle because sometimes something will happen that like domino effects and and suddenly it all makes sense the one of the key bits was uh, the boy with the um, phone booth and if you manage to kind of corral him in there uh, a, another character in the nearby vicinity um, makes something happen that like allows you to very easily uh, check off another puzzle. Mm-hmm. So it, it felt really like I can see that there was a lot of polish in this. Yeah. Um, it, it, it never felt like there were gaps in, th- in the thinking that weren't my own. There's the one decision that I think was really smart on House House's side um, where when you, uh, you have your to-do list of like, six or so items that you have to do in each area and then once you complete a certain amount of them a additional item will show up that once you complete that opens the gate to get to the next area Mm -hmm. um but you don't have to complete everything in the area they just everything but one is how many objectives you have to complete which i think is super great because they're it helps with that kind of like more obtuse puzzle design where it keeps people from getting stuck just from not understanding one small thing like, uh, there's, like, one of the to-do lists in the very first area is you have to get the um, groundskeeper to wear his sun hat. Uh, hmm. I didn't figure that out. <laughs> that was the very last. I don't think I did. In either, the entire yeah. game, that was the very last puzzle I completed. Like, I did everything, and then I figured out that one finally. Um, but the game didn't punish me for not, like, understanding the cause and effect I needed to do to make that happen. It's just, like, all right, we understand that, like, some of this isn't going to click with everybody, but we're not going to like block your progress and keep you from exploring and understanding later parts of the game just because you don't get that one thing. And I think that was a really smart bit of progression design there. But 
Yeah, uh, it, it you hear sometimes developers talking about how do, how do we teach the players to, how to do what we want them to do? Yeah, because um, you can't you can't unless you're writing literal text to them, you can't really communicate with them very directly. You have to communicate them through the world and mechanics of the game. So I can imagine that they probably had conversations like, well, okay, what if a player gets stuck on this puzzle or this puzzle and like what what ways can we reinforce that they're not actually stuck? Mm -hmm. But when you have a list of objectives to do, sometimes you as a developer probably aren't able to anticipate which one people will get stuck on. It's almost like one of those um, telltale style, like what choice did you make kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, how many percentage of people actually chose to to terrorize this person or that person? <laughs> and uh, having uh, allowing people to, like, get forward with without finishing one or two objectives, no matter which one they were, uh, seemed like a, a really smart design decision. And you, I think in every area, there was also one objective that was just, hey, just drag this stuff here, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it's It's one of the, like early on one of the harder ones like uh uh take stuff from the shopkeep and put it into a shopping cart but like you figure out oh, i'll just i'll just drag the shopping cart like further down the street so she can't find me and then wait for her to get distracted this yeah time. and it's really easy since there's no fail state to have like a trial and error there where you just like you don't have to restart from the beginning you just have to deal with like getting chased off and then she starts putting things away and you just drag them farther away as it goes mm. and no, that's something every, I think every single time I've interviewed a developer that's worked on like a roguelike game, I've always like, my, my go-to question is like, how do you make failure a teachable moment? And I think Goose Game does that really, really well where like, especially because there's no quote unquote failure state, um, but just kind of using the environment and the things that people automatically want to do to like teach them how to do certain things. Mm -hmm. It's just, developers are cool. They're wonderful magicians. You ever see uh, the movie Hot Fuzz? Uh, I've seen clips from the movie Hot Fuzz, so I didn't oh, get your okay. reference before. <laughs> oh, okay. Go go watch Hot Fuzz. Um, it's a it's a good two hours of your life. Um, I think actually the best uh, of the Simon Pegg movies. Oh, okay. Um, but there's a yes, you'll you'll notice immediately what it's referencing by the time you finish the movie. So, oh, okay. I was going to ask uh, about that, but if it's better experienced, I will just go track it down after we're done. I, th I, th I think you'll have a really good laugh. Uh, <laughs> one other thing uh, before we switch gears into talking about control, uh, I notice a lot like in, in straightforward reviews uh, and then just in kind of even my own general chatter, I was talking to someone about uh, uh, Untitled Goose Game and like, is it worth the 15 bucks? Uh, there's a length versus value argument that comes up really, in my opinion, too often in games. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think the smartest way of discussing something like that is probably the the argument of, well, you would pay $15 to go see a movie at like a premium theater, right? So why wouldn't you do that to have a similarly long experience with a game? Yeah. You know? But what do you think about when you hear people kind of bring up the like, well, it's only an hour or two long kind of I think I was legitimately one of those people <laughs> immediately like I finished Goose Game and I was kind of like I had the, that that's it like because it was it's been in, like publicly in the works for three or four years or so like a long time yeah, yeah very out there and then like I sat down and I finished it in an afternoon and I'm like I was kind of like I was expecting more out of it just from like 
I don't know, just from like how much I had seen about it and how much I'd been anticipating mm. it, but sat down with it more and just kind of like messed around and did the extra objectives and I will never complete the time trial objectives. Never, ever. I'm not that good. Uh, and then like watched some like speed runs and like saw other people interacting with it. And then like, I feel like the length versus value argument can kind of give way to like the value versus enjoyment part of it where I got yeah. it on sale for $15, I think is what the mm. Nintendo eShop price is for launch mm. week. Maybe still, um, me too. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely like just from the time I've spent with it and just the enjoyment I had with it and then talking with people about it and I don't know, working through and making other people play it. And I think I got my values worth out of it. So the length versus value thing is always like super flawed. <laughs> yeah, basically, it, I it agree really with is. you there. We're like, it's hard to quantify. Like I've played some games that are too long and like, I like even like $60. I'm like, I don't, want to sit there and just have busy work i want to have i'd rather enjoy what i do than just have it stretch out where i feel like i got my quote-unquote money's worth from just sitting here and spending three weekends playing it so my uh a friend of mine and i were discussing like are we gonna are we gonna end up buying uh ghost recon breakpoint because we played most of wildlands Mm -hmm. uh kind of as our as our like group of four friends get together and just goof off for the night kind of game when we weren't playing overwatch. And, uh, <laughs> I, I had that feeling of like, uh, I'm about to buy another Ubisoft game simply <laughs> because it's there. And like, if you ask me like, no, I don't, I actually did not like division two and, uh, wildlands was fun. Cause like I, I had friends and I was like, my first big like SWAT game with a couple of friends in a long while, but uh, that's that's definitely the like I paid sixty dollars and Ubisoft knows that like it's got to put two hundred hours worth of content mm-hmm. into this game or else someone's gonna complain. Yeah, but. and everything's live now too, so there's post game content that'll be coming free or exactly. not, and that is more. T- I think like the thing I get stuck in now that I'm like a busier human being who like wants to relax sometimes and like not think about video games is. Do I want to spend $60 on this thing that I'm going to be playing for X amount of time? Do I have time to do that? Do I have time to make this investment? Like, I don't know. I want to pick up the new Legend of Zelda, the really cute little remastered one or remake mm-hmm. one, but like, I don't have the time to justify spending that money right now, is the argument I get in more now, more often than not. Yeah, I, I, I have the bad habit of like, especially uh, tough, like last week here, I'll, I'll like buy food or, you know, go to a restaurant or something. And that's kind of like my guilty treat to myself. But like, it's tougher with games because mm-hmm. it's, it's a bigger price. And you think like, oh shit, something else is going to come out in two weeks. There's and, so many uh, games. <laughs> there's too many games and October sucks. Yeah. How dare you do this all on my birthday? Oh, all these talented but, people at the same time, just like trying to get my attention. How dare they? <laughs> How dare they? So let's switch gears into Control. That was Untitled Goose Game. Uh, currently fifteen dollars. It's its original price, like list price, was twenty. And I I definitely say go play it. I'm not going to give it a number rating because we, we're entering a new era of the 1099 <laughs> here. The only numbers you're going to hear on this show are the 1099. There are publications uh, pivoting back towards uh, adding review numbers, and I think uh, VG247 just uh, made the announcement they're going to start doing review numbers again, so no, the times are weird. changing, but... The, the, the life is a cycle. <laughs> I don't want to push your push the envelope on your podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> so let's talk about control. Uh, and 
you yourself, you said you got about, judging from what you told me, you just got the um, like rock defense ability. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, I think that's about halfway through the game. So uh, we shouldn't be spoiling too much here for you. But um, obviously, uh, if you listening are uh, averse to spoilers, I would say avoid this for a bit and come back for the Hitman 2 discussion. But Control, to me, I played Alan Wake... Um, and I did not get to play Quantum Break, but Control really feels like Remedy finally got like a really good handle on some, not all, but some of the niggling little issues that have been kind of plaguing their still really good games mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, what what were your first immediate thoughts when you kind of started to really piece it all together of like, this is what Control is? Uh, it's... It's weird. Um, so my history with Remedy is I've played, I haven't played uh, Quantum Break either. I own the collector's edition. I think I got it at, on Amazon, but I haven't like installed it yet. Um, but I have <laughs> played uh, Alan Wake and there was like, there's this moment with like Remedy games that that is kind of put in my head where I really enjoy the world. I really enjoy the story, but the gameplay of Alan Wake just like, it never clicked with me. Um, Mm-hmm. And I'm having that same kind of issue with Control, where, like, I really enjoy the world, and, like, everything presented is gorgeous. The actors are working their butts off. It's so great. And I just, like, the, there's still, like, that little bit of um, the combat just doesn't feel quite what I want from it, because it feels like it wants to be a cover shooter sometimes, and it's not. And some of the, I guess, some of the pacing with, like, where you get new abilities, I feel like one of the early fights expects you to have this ability that you don't get until later, so it feels like Mm -hmm. you're not understanding it, when in truth it's just that way. Um, So I feel like it's definitely another situation where the gameplay isn't quite up to snuff or, like, what I think peak Remedy design could be. Um, But, like, the world and the narrative and the design and just how everything looks is so immaculate. Like, I will forgive the gameplay shortcomings for, like, just to stare at, like, the the screen where, like, you enter a new area and the the big block letter text comes up and just, like, the sound Mm -hmm. design and, like, all of that hits. Like, it is worth experiencing even if you're bad at video games like I apparently am. It kind of feels like some of the... The, the term thrown around, of course, is Metroidvania. Um, and for those who, for the five people in the world who haven't like really <laughs> familiarized themselves with that, I suppose, you know, Metroid style, hey, there's a wall here that I need a bomb to break through. Let me go this other way, find that, come back. And then like now that I've got this new ability, I can open up new areas, but I'm still traversing a lot of the same areas. And to, to that end, yeah, it worked really well to say like, hey, one that probably saves Remedy a lot of time designing environments mm-hmm. and and helping them not feel too rehashed, uh, but uh, it, it there are parts of it where because this game is like a very Metroidvania looking thing, feeling thing, uh, whereas Quantum Break and Alan Wake I feel like were more straightforward experiences, more more linear, directly linear. Too. There's a couple of parts where that Metroidvania nature kind of comes back to bite Remini in the ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there there are parts, yeah, like I think I think we're talking about the same kind of boss looking section uh, where I was like, even close up to the end, I couldn't defeat it with like the full suite of powers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how dare they <laughs> uh, uh, put this bot this like side boss here? 
and tease me with this uh, and get me all the way up through this side story up to this point. Yeah. And then basically make it like so impossible. But like, I'm not adverse uh, to challenge in my video games, but um, there's something instead of making the challenge feel like I need to learn something versus like losing against a boss and being like, getting frustrated and be like, what's going wrong here? What am I not getting? And kind of like mm-hmm. not having that teachable, like, okay, here's what I need to do moment, which it kind of circles back to what I was talking about in Goose Game before with like teaching people what they need to do when they're not quite getting it. And I feel like Control doesn't quite get that, which is unfortunate. Um, but there was definitely one of the, oh, what are they called? The objects, objects of power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the oops. Oops. Uh, where you have to, in order to get the ability, you have to navigate this like otherworldly thing to get to the end, and then you get the ability after that. And for this one, it wanted me to sneak past these shadowy figures that were like moving in a square kind of thing, and I had to get past them. But like the level design itself and just the um, weird spooky voiceover wasn't telegraphing that. So it took me a long time to be like, this is the first enemy that I had been told that I found out that I needed to sneak around instead of confronting head on. And there was nothing Mm -hmm. about the environment. There was nothing about like the abilities I had at that point that told me I wasn't supposed to confront them head on. So I just constantly felt like I was doing something wrong. And like, there's other moments like that in control where I feel like it feels like you're missing some information when in truth you have everything. It's just not communicated properly to you. And, and it's, in a sadistic way, that kind of ties into the, like, narrative nature of control. But, like, uh, for, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Because yeah. it, is, it is cool to come up upon these, um, the, uh, the, the word I keep hearing when I hear smarter people than me uh, <laughs> talk about the design of the game is non-Euclidean geometry or architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, like, weird, otherworldly, but still, like, blocky architecture. And... Coupling that with the the like unknowable nature of some of the enemies and, and entities that you come across, yeah, it's like, okay, cool, there's this thing that like I think is probably gonna kill me really fast um, over there, uh, and I need to go beyond it to complete an objective. Uh, and like that's cool and scary and you're like, well, what do I do? you're as lost as Jesse is mm-hmm. but then but then you're literally lost in this game and there was a there was a section i think similar to yours where yes you're introduced to this like unkillable enemy but uh the the way to figure out this puzzle is to basically like trap it through a series of doors and i ran around that thing 80 different times being like what am i missing all the while of course the like weird overbearing audio of uh this like creature in this area is just kind of like i need to pause and take a breather because mm-hmm. i just except not because i'm scared but because i'm like annoyed now it's, but it's stressful but too we uh we're talking a little bit i mean i assume you're still having a fair amount of fun oh, yeah. with the game yeah no too, I, right? I do i'm really enjoying the game even with alan wake where like i didn't i hated the like the flashlight to weaken them and then you can shoot them kind of mechanic it yeah. frustrated me to no end because it just like it felt so clunky when i was like in the moment of things and like but i still really enjoyed the game and like I think that's just going to be me and Remedy Games from now on, where, like, I'm having the same thing with Control, (laughs) where I don't always 100% enjoy the combat sections or, like, certain points where they're trying to, like, hammer home a mechanic, and it just, it's not clicking. But, like, the game as a whole, I still, I love it, and I've been recommending it to people left and right. It's just, it's a gorgeous game, too. 
with a, with as far as you are in the story, what do you, it, it feels like such a remedy ass story. Yeah. Um, this like, here's, here's a protagonist who is kind of like talking to themselves like a, like a, um, a Max Payne and Alan Wake did the same thing. Uh, and, and here's this unknowable conspiracy. Uh, we are bending the, the reality around us in ways uh, what what draws you in and kind of keeps you going despite those frustrations? Um, the story is really compelling in like the weird the weird way that it is. I don't know. There's just something about like it does a good job of kind of dangling the thread of mystery there. Where even though you're getting the internal monologues, um, the protagonist mm-hmm. isn't being fully forthcoming, and she's just like, "Oh, do I tell them my deep dark secret that's motivated me?" And I'm like, "Yeah, tell me, tell me, please." <laughs> <laughs> but it's just does a really good job of setting up the world and um i've heard a lot of people talk about how like the collectibles uh are like people who aren't into finding small little collectibles in levels are finding everything and like reading all of the like letters that you find because they're redacted documents detailing like the world and like weird situations that have happened and like it's just it's a really well-designed mysterious world where i feel like it's less kind of um strange than alan wake but it's still like strange enough to keep you hooked where there was, like, uh, after my friends and I played Alan Wake back in college, and there was, like, the, the final line of the game is, like, something spooky and mysterious that you don't understand happens, and then he's, like, and then I realized it wasn't a lake, it was an ocean, and then... It was an ocean. Yeah. <laughs> and then my friends and I, just from, like, would end conversations with just, like, it's not a lake, it's an ocean, and, like, because it was <laughs> mysterious and no one knew what the hell it meant. It's probably a metaphor yeah. or something, but our, our young minds and... Just this like ridiculous kernel that we grabbed onto, uh, and I feel like control is more of that, but in a way that feels more like tangible, understandable, interesting. Just kind of Iron- ironically tangible, yeah. E- even though like so much of the game is intangible in ways. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's I don't know. It's a uh, I think they I feel like they haven't hit their stride, or I feel like Remedy hasn't hit their stride with like um, combat design yet. But like as far as like world building goes, this is masterclass. It's great. Have you ever have you ever seen, read, or played um, the SCP uh, containment project stuff? I have not. Have you even ever heard of it? I don't think I have. No. So, so for those who don't know, um, SCP like it's kind of like a like a collection of not creepy pastas, but more like government redacted kind of store, short stories or or like redacted government forms, um, and then it. It was pretty popular already, but I, I feel like it kind of exploded in popularity when someone, some studio designed a game called SCP Containment Project, and people like Markiplier and I'm sure a million other YouTubers uh, played it, and it was, uh, surface level, it was like a pretty familiar, here's a maze, here's some monsters who are hunting you, but like the mechanics of every monster were pretty fun. Um uh, basically, it is much like control. It's here's this government organization or series of organizations who their entire job is to kind of contain and analyze all these weird uh, entities or unnatural, supernatural happenings. And the more monster ones were like, there's one called Mr. Peanut who only moves. He, he kind of operates like a angel from Doctor mm-hmm. Who. Uh, only moves only moves when you aren't looking kind of thing I don't like that. 
<laughs> I, 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 that's one of the that's one of the greatest but simplest mechanics ever. Um, try it in VR with uh, dread halls. I will and not. There. <laughs> uh, I, I had friends who like tore that headset oh off and gosh. ran. But um, and then there's there's other things where like I think w- one of my favorite examples of an SCP entry is uh uh a living room literally like a living living room um who if if you like go into it and you spend like any amount of time in it like either the person disappears or goes crazy or something like that and it's just like control you think like well what does this refrigerator have to do with like this crazy supernatural phenomena i'm experiencing but Mm -hmm. there's layers to it and that to me I, I love I love the unknowable uh, kind of aspects of, of games and stories. The the moment before the final episode in a like Netflix show or something where you're not quite sure how it's all going to come together and you're hoping it really does come together. Um, and I have thoughts about that. But like, d- do you know what I mean when I say like kind of the unknowable? Like you're really excited to see where this mystery goes. Kind of feel. Yeah. No. It's really it. Just that kind of like rewarding thing where you like I've put the time into like watching this entire like ten hour season of net a Netflix show and now it's finally gonna like you're gonna get that payoff and I don't know the kind of armchair detective aspect of it too where it's your own theories and your fan theories coming together yeah yeah the yeah. validation of it I no I hundred percent get where you're coming from there my uh, my mom and I used to watch Lost together back when that was you know a thing and they had all the args. Uh, call this phone number and like some weird audio plays and we both really enjoyed that and that that was playing through most of control I kind of I wasn't exactly pulling out like a notebook Mm -hmm. you know and like writing notes but I was like I really I really am actually excited to figure out or at least like be given a kernel uh, of what this place actually is. And there, uh, even though I finished the game, I read someone's uh, piece on it and discovered a little bit more about that, like really um, uh, uh, for for folks who are still playing or want to go back, go back to the section where you meet, um, I'll say, Autie, where you meet Audie, the janitor, uh, while surrounded by a bunch of columns, um, and you'll find something really cool there. Uh that all that said, though, despite like all that positivity, I will say, and I won't spoil this for you, Alyssa, but uh, once again, it kind of feels like Remedy has a really inconclusive final act in their game, and there's DLC coming, but uh, I I was kind of like, oh, is that it? Almost <laughs> almost like like Goose Game, you know? Uh, I was like, oh, I I I I was down to spend another ten hours in this place and like really hash out the personal connections between these characters and like see some uh, growth in a different direction but i was like okay i guess uh we're just we're just gonna set it off here and maybe dlc will help yeah. flesh it out i'm wondering but, if that kind of yeah. like ties to when we were talking about like where i'm at currently in the game and you're like oh you're about halfway through and i don't i don't feel like i'm about halfway through but i'm wondering if that yeah. kind of like ties into the ending leaving you wanting more where it just kind of i kind of inclusive. yeah I kind of felt the same way going through the whole story. I was like, let me finish this side objective because I feel like I feel like we're, we still got a ways to go, but I feel like the game is telling me I'm about I'm about to finish mm-hmm. kind of kind of feeling. Uh, wh- what did you think of Adi, the janitor? I've let's see, I've met him the first time. I've met him the second time and then he starts giving you like a little missions to help him out with and that's about where I am, but he's he's interesting. <laughs> I like how um <laughs> J- Jesse's like uh 
not criticism, but her comment where he's just like, or she's just like, yeah, that's just, that's just people who work night shifts. I've been there. And I'm like, yeah, well, same. <laughs> I've been yeah. the weird janitor yeah. in somebody's hall before. I get it. I, uh, that, that's so true because yeah, I've, I've worked the like midnight or 2 a.m. shift at, uh, my, my hometown McDonald's Mm -hmm. and just being like, oh, here's the ex-con who like trained me how to fry nuggets or here's the, (laughs) here, here's the person who's awake at 2 a.m., you know, like working, uh, and that's a special breed of people, Mm -hmm. but uh, I, I loved it. In that um, same way well, that, like, Remedy uh, presents, like, uh, Jesse's internal monologues to keep you kind of, like, curious about the plot, like, introducing Ati early on where it's like, I haven't seen a single person, there's just this guy mopping a hallway, and then I go back to not mm-hmm. seeing a single person, has that, like, air of mystery where it just makes you want to know more and how he interacts with the story and how he's different from characters you encounter later on. So I'm definitely, like... He's a good, interesting little kernel where I feel like some deep plot is going to unfold later. What did you think of uh, Jesse and the other characters? I, I particularly enjoyed the um, uh, kind of like research uh, lady uh, who's like one of the earlier friends you meet. Yeah, uh, no, I love her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so bad with names and that comes to bite me uh, when I can't I'm talking about now, games. But... But no, she's great, and I like uh, the whole kind of little arc you have where you're, after you talk to her the first time, and you run off into the hallway, fight some spooky little floating guys, and then the entire time she's like, maybe I should tell her what's really going on in my head. I'm like, yes, yes, tell her, be best friends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like the whole, I think Jessie, the actress who plays her, Courtney Hope, was in Quantum Break as as well, I think was what someone told me. Oh, cool. Um, but she also is a recurring character in the soap opera I've watched for several years. <laughs> so, like, I, I, I had this what? whole moment. <laughs> it was just, it was this wild moment where I'm like, that looks a lot like this uh, character, Sally Spectre from The Bold and the Beautiful. And I'm like, it's not, though. And then, like, I start playing the game and she says something and I'm like, holy shit, fashion, it's happening. <laughs> but... No, I'm, I'm just really happy to, like, see her get, expand her, like, acting chops beyond being this kind of, like, semi-antagonist in this uh, Monday through Friday soap opera into this ch- mysterious character leading a video game. And I'm like, hell yeah, go Courtney. It's great. <laughs> so I'm personally invested in the character for reasons outside the game. <laughs> well, uh, go Courtney is our official rating for uh, Control. Uh, go Courtney out go of Courtney 10. Go Courtney out of 10. <laughs> And let's switch gears finally into what I know will be Alyssa's favorite section, Hitman <laughs> 2. Um, I, I finished playing Haven Island like a day or two ago, and I played the bank like a week before that. And uh, I, I'm really curious to, to get your take on uh, Hit, Hitman 2 itself has been out for like probably It'll be a year uh, in close, to, clo- close to a year. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I'm really glad that at least they've been able to uh, keep releasing uh, big things like this, whether it's like a sniper map or like actual two actual additional, you know, Hitman mission maps. Because mm-hmm. uh, of course, before the game release, there was all this question in the air of like, holy shit, Square Enix like dumped them like a bad girlfriend's. Uh, uh, but like through no fault of their own, like IO was do IO was doing great. Yeah, the complexities <laughs> of like IP ownership. <laughs> It's, but uh, what, what what did you think? Uh, like I, I guess uh, 
in the beginning when Hitman 2 was like uh, first releasing, you're like, okay, let's see how this actually panned out. <laughs> so I got into Hitman uh, with, I played like Blood Money, I think, on the Nintendo Wii when I was a child and I hated it. I thought it was horrible. Um, and then I <laughs> circled back and started playing Hitman 2016, the episodic one, um, in like 2017 when everything was out and they had just, I think, broken from Square Enix at that point in time. Uh, so I got the entire thing and I played all the way through that got super invested in it i have no idea why i just like remember this entire year of my life became hitman um and then started playing hitman 2 which is the interesting thing they did about that is that hitman 2016 was episodic where they released a single level and then would go like a month or two and then release another single level and hitman 2 released all like five or six levels of the main campaign all at once yeah yeah which is like a super interesting thing i could also talk for hours about um, but since then they've been doing, um, IO does a monthly update cadence where they will release a monthly road- roadmap for their whole thing and say what new content they're bringing. And there have been the two main drops from the expansion pass, which are the bank, which came out like two months ago and then Haven, which came out recently. Uh, so there's me over explaining something you didn't actually, actually ask me to over explain. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, forwarding of all this. Yeah. Says. Yeah. Um, so I think the way Hitman was done before with the episodic structure uh, encouraged players to kind of like, here's the only one level you get, now explore. And it kind of encouraged mm-hmm. uh, finding different ways to complete your objectives versus just going through and completing it quickly. Whereas you haven't got that so much with base game of Hitman 2, where you can just like race through, do all the main missions, and be like, all right, I'm done. Um, so that all being said... <laughs> I'm really <laughs> liking the way they've paced the expansion content, um, or even though they've done like smaller escalation style mission within existing things in preceding months, um, the expansion content is entirely new levels that are completely fresh, big worlds to explore in some situations, and Haven is the most recent one of those, and Haven is wonderful, and I love it, and it's perfect. There. <laughs> My big well, wine. Well, okay, so... I think where we're going to diverge a little bit on this is I think I actually liked the bank level oh, more. Oh, we're going to diverge big um, time there. Oh, boy. Okay, cool, cool. So, okay. Uh, the the bank level had been out, and, like, I think I've I've technically had a little bit more time. I actually kind of forgot that, like, the bank level had come out, and I, I downloaded it last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then apparently I own the gold edition of the game. Yeah. So thank you for that, uh, IO or whoever gave me a code. <laughs> and... Because uh, so I got like these levels for free um, ish, but with the bank level, uh, I, I I don't really know why, but I feel like maybe it's one part like the sort of heist nature. Even though you're not really you're you're not heisting more than like data. You're heist. You're you're there to kill one person and possibly kill three people and steal their their like keys so you can get into a vault and then vamoose. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that, and then there's also, I feel like I like verticality in my Hitman levels a little more than I like a big, wide, spread out, um, design. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Italy level from Hitman 2016 is kind of the exception to that, because they, like, that level is just so immense that they were able to, like, reuse that for, like, two or three other, like, completely different missions, mm-hmm. but, uh... I feel like the verticality, maybe just like the allure of like gothic-y bank 
church looking architecture kind of spoke to me more than the spread out nature of the Haven Resort. What what did you think? I suppose the exact opposite. <laughs> ah, get out. I will say, like, I think the one thing that endears people who really get into Hitman to Hitman is the familiarity you can get with the level. Um, mm-hmm. Where I've even though Hitman Two is out, I've still played a lot more of the Hitman 2016 content, which is playable in Hitman Two um, since it's come out. Because, like, once you get a certain level of understanding for, like, okay, well, I need a medic poison to knock out a guard when he drinks his water bottle. I know that's here in this level. And you can start piecing together your own paths through things and your own ideas for how you're going to do these objectives and kind of take ownership of um, the path you're taking through rather than taking one that feels designed for you. So I feel mm. like with smaller levels, it can be... Okay, this is going to sound like, oh, you you like it like that because it's easier. Uh <laughs> But I feel like uh, with smaller levels, it's uh, very more intimate and easier to kind of like figure out, okay, if I go down this hallway, it leads me to here. So you don't have to, I don't know, there's no like overwhelming sense. You have a better understanding of where things are and you can easier get into kind of like the free play that makes Hitman games really shine. Um, And the bank is too small for me. <laughs> it's... <laughs> One of those where I feel like after I've been running through it for X amount of time and I've done all the main, like, story missions that they have set up for you and that I've done a couple of the challenges that are, like, story missions that have no hints or no guidance. They just say, push this person out a window. And that's how you have to complete it. And I've done a couple of those. And I kind of feel like I've seen everything that map has to offer. I don't feel like there's a reason for me to go back and just kind of mess around and find new routes when I've already been down the five hallways, I've been the two floors, and I kind of like know what mm. there is. Even though there might be interesting NPC moments, there's no reason for me to explore those. We're like, hey, like so I, I played Bank a little bit, and in a couple days I had like gotten through where I wanted to be with it and moved on. Um, but Haven is kind of like, I feel like it's second to Sapienza, um, which is that Italy level you talked about. As far as really? my favorite levels go so far, okay. like I really like uh, Paris from Hitman 1, Whittledon Creek from Hitman 2, which is all like a social stealth kind of suburban neighborhood, which I think is the best um, Hitman level. Very classic yeah, Hitman, yeah. yeah. And then there is Haven, which is a lot of the social stealth, but you still have to, there's some compounds that you can sneak around, uh, where I feel like it's kind of like the perfect size of Hitman level where it's not too big, like, um, oh, what is it, uh, Bangkok, I think, is the one in Hitman 2 that I've barely played because it is just so big and so overwhelming and just takes so much time, and I have no idea, I can't get that comfortable feeling of knowing where to go to get X, Y, and Z and then do what I want to do. But, like, Haven, I feel like every time I explore and try something new, it is rewarded with new knowledge that helps me play the game how I want to play later or complete the mission that I'm on now and everything kind of like builds on itself whether that's been designed Mm. by the developers or is kind of like in my own head for me feeling like it's kind of like giving me the more knowledge so I know Haven's just like it's hit a stride that I feel like uh the bank did not hit for me but to each their own I I suppose I, I can see the point yeah where like Hitman is very much about yes, yeah, social stealth. Yeah. Um, walking around a place like Whittledon Creek, and you're just a you. You look like any other door to door salesman, kind of minding their own business. Whereas a bank, yeah, uh, anywhere beyond the first floor, you're not really allowed as a, uh, a person off the street. Mm-hmm. So it it does begin to funnel you very early into 
hey, uh, you probably need a bank worker outfit or you need a guard outfit. And there's like two or three good locations to get that without uh, uh, raising suspicion or risking, you know, some progress or something. But uh, tell me tell me a little bit more about like the what do you what did you think about the ways that the the bank or Haven kind of not really advanced the story, but maybe exemplified some of the the cooler nature of Hitman's self-aware goofiness. Hitman, oh man. I feel like it's been um, both from like a narrative standpoint and just kind of a general progression standpoint. Uh, I always been leaning a lot more into the goofiness of the Hitman series. Um, and I'm glad for no, that. No, it's, sure. it's really yeah. good. It's paying off where they're like, it's not taking itself too seriously. We're like in, it's a Hitman 2016 thing, but like the, the clown disguise you get in the entire mission of that where you are dressed up as like a, the clown from Blood Money. Um, but so you have this big red wig and 47 serious stoic cheekbones face and a red clown nose. And you get like a bat that squeaks when you hit people with it. And you have to run around this like serious fashion opera, opera house, uh, like I think shooting some like red balloons and knocking people out with your clown bat. And like this absurd nonsense that you're like, this is a serious game about murdering um, these rich targets that have been twisting democracy to their own will and i'm a clown who's running through murder like hitting people with bats and collecting these items that are like in an attic and then i'm gonna run away with my squeaky shoes like yeah. <laughs> know, it's, it's ridiculous uh but like even in terms of more quote-unquote serious progression there have been items um released with the newer content that would kind of you think would break the game balance but because they're leaning into the ridiculousness of just like we're going to give you whatever you want and you can do whatever you want uh it really works um or i think like because they have the hitman 2016 and then hitman 2 is kind of like an unofficial season two for hitman yeah 2016. it really it really yeah is. it's yeah season two to the best of their like technical and like weird we split from square enix after we had already started this abilities um, which enables them to have like better technology by just doing a clean break and having bringing the old content over. But I lost my train of thought. Hold on one second. <laughs> well, uh, uh, what did you? I, I was glad to see at least with these expansions, Hitman Two must have done well enough. Um, where with with these cinematics and the storytelling in Hitman Two, it was kind of these like slideshow yeah. uh, presentations where like static images you'd still see the characters talking but like no animation and after having hitman 2016 uh with these like really gorgeously animated uh minute or so Just long uh, cutscenes, yeah those hardcore uh was it swedish uh <laughs> studio technical flexes but uh uh, what's it with Swedes and game development lately? They're on a roll, but uh, <laughs> Good for them. Uh, but now seeing they had they had two cutscenes for um, the the intro and the outros to both the bank and Haven. So I was like, oh well good either they had more time to scrounge that together or they literally just had more success uh, or perhaps found a better publisher deal kind of thing for the future so mm -hmm. i don't know yeah no it's uh definitely like that it's kind of jarring when you go from hitman ones like really like beautifully rendered you can see the pores on their face kind of like yeah. cut scenes to the more stop motion motion graphics -y stuff in hitman 2 and i feel like the dlc kind of struck a balance between that where there are the moving models are the in-game models, it seems like. 
uh, that you would normally see. And then there are moments where they still use the kind of like the look at a computer screen while voiceover is going and have like motion graphics going because that would foreseeably like uh, seemingly be easier than like matching VO that might not be recorded yet to lips of a moving character model and animating that. So like there still seems to be from my amateurish (laughs) armchair criticism (laughs) moments where they're trying to uh, avoid from things getting out of hand cost wise, but still giving people those more interactive, more cutscene cutscenes, which I think is good. Um, I'm assuming the stop motion stuff probably didn't get the best feedback because it, it was really jarring. It was great and it worked, but it was very different from what there was before. I think I think ultimately I was just sad, like, oh, this is this is what we we get when uh, poor IO gets like cut off from yeah. the, the the funding of Square. But I'm really happy that like it's not often that you hear a studio who loses their parent company and then gets to retain ownership of their IP and then gets to continue yeah. making games in that IP. It's they had layoffs, which is really unfortunate to make that happen. But like the fact that they were able to keep making Hitman games after having that like weird breakup was like holy shit. Like that doesn't always happen. You've got <laughs> IO and you've got Destiny and like those are the two I can think of off the top of my head that have been able to make that split happen, but you know, one thing I wanted to bring up, um, and I, I, I experienced it a little less in the bank than I did in Haven, although I, I can't say if one is necessarily worse than the other. Uh, with Haven, there's a, a sequence where for the like adrenaline junkie guy that you've got to kill, uh, there's a sequence where you can like give him the keys to a rickety, broken uh, jet ski. Mm-hmm. And I I labored to do that without getting caught, and it was kind of a frustrating sequence because I was like I was looking for poison or something to poison a, a drink and have uh, the guy with the keys like run to the bathroom so I could get him. Could not find poison on that entire <laughs> island, so I was like, okay, fine, let me just coin into a corner, choke him, hope to God no one sees me, and steal his stuff. Uh, and then I give the keys to the guy, and he's like, oh, cool, thanks, man. And I can see he's he's about to get on the jet ski, and he drives around on the jet ski, and nothing like, happens. when does he die? <laughs> and I'm like, well, wait, wait, I, I finished the story. And I know sometimes, I, I know not all the stories, like, end with the death. They just put you in place for yeah. it. But I, but like I get, I dressed up as this the jet ski instructor, gave him the keys, and like he walked to his other island where the jet ski was, and he's guarded by like red shirt level guards, and I was like, oh, okay, I can't walk over here, and I'll just I'll just wait for him to die mm-hmm. and see what happens, and nothing happened, and I finally went over there. I I labored to get a red shirt and go over there, and I checked the jet ski and it says place remote explosive here, and I'm like. Bullshit! <laughs> How dare you? So you can go over there as a scuba guy. He is one of the people allowed on that island. <laughs> is he? Okay, maybe. Yeah. I must have. There's like a a weird thing with Hitman where a lot of it is like kind of like moving the joystick a little bit, like one step at a time yeah. to like see if a guard's going to yell exactly. at you and then running away real quick when they're like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a... Uh, that's one of those, I had that too, where I got onto the island and I gave him the keys and then I like sprinted over the jet ski real quick to be like, all right, what's going to happen here? And it said place explosive. And I had brought poison and I had brought a lockpick. And I'm like, shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, you can either go the path of, okay, well, I'm going to, now I know how to do this. I'm going to reload 
uh, replan the mission and come in here with poison or come in here with an explosive and five unlock that in a past level by playing this game too much, which I have. <laughs> um, but uh, feeding into that thing about exploring and having those like, little knowledge nuggets help inform routes later on, there is a remote explosive found in like one of the security rooms on that isle- on the island somewhere where if you get the security guard disguise. You can go in there, kind of avoid the enforcer, and grab the ex- remote explosive off the table. And with uh, the lethal poison in the medical tent, you can break the glass and steal some le- a lethal poison vial and a medic poison um, syringe from there, too. So there's like, a lot of those like little small placements that you really only figure out if you play enough of the level and just explore. But, like, at the same time, with there being so many levels out already and so many, if you've played everything up to, like, the mastery level 20 to unlock everything per level, you're already going to have those items in your inventory. So you can, you're can you not encouraged to explore so much anymore as you are to just, like, be like, all right, I'm going to reload and have an explosive in my pocket when I walk around and just do it that way. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting give and take because that's a lot of progress to lose if you replan a mission uh, and... Mm-hmm. It it does it does say something like when I was stuck I was like well okay let me make an effort and try to find like a place that would have medical stuff for like some emetic mm-hmm. poison and uh, I, I I didn't have any means to like bash open a a cabinet without waking up someone there who would clearly be able to tell who I am uh, but I just ran really fast yeah <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a lot of that I um I finished the mission. Uh, the adrenaline junkie was my final target and I was like I'm dressed as a guard I have a rifle and he's walking by and there's a, a getaway plane 10 feet behind me uh, <laughs> go, 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 go. everyone freaking out and I'm just like bye and I forget my rating you know I, I'm sure it was terrible mm-hmm. but um, yeah I also I was gonna ask before when you said that you were finished playing Haven what does finished with the level mean for you oh I mean I I, I, I will admit that like I was talking about uh, uh, just getting through it once, but I definitely, I go back and I'm like, is there mm-hmm. another uh, mission story? Cause I always love those. Um, mm-hmm. And my favorite kinds of mission stories really are the ones where it's like, okay, now you're in a room with this person uh, alone and you could, you could, what you, do? you could like you do. And uh, you have your, your choice of sometimes I, I kick myself for waiting a little too long. Cause I'm like, give me the villain monologue. I want to hear the villain monologue. And then they, I always save like right then so I can do yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, I, I save scum the shit out of this. Uh, but um, it, it usually works. I, I really liked the one in the bank level where uh, you, you, imitate the guy that the bank uh, manager is firing and for some godforsaken reason reason she says oh, guards please leave us alone i want to accost this man uh myself is like i wouldn't do that that seems against hr policy wow <laughs> yeah it's less people to complain to hr is probably, probably what yeah. the thinking is but. yeah but uh uh for the for the haven level um i i definitely have a couple of mission stories to go back to uh, but I, but I always enjoy kind of, uh, no. I don't go nearly like, you know, full completionist deep, but I like seeing the meat of everything. Yeah, that's one thing I've really been enjoying just about like this Hitman game, especially where I was worried with the mission stories in this are a little more handholdy than I feel like the, um, 
were they objective a mission story objectives were in the in Hitman 2016. Mm. So I was worried like it was going to be a lot more like scripted. Um, but then you can still if you go through like your challenges and these completely optional things that you aren't necessarily uh, necessarily have to interact with. And be like, oh, well, kill X target by doing this thing. And it kind of opens up another situation where there is dialogue specifically for once these several like uh, prerequisites have been completed, once they are in this place with this item. And it's that same kind of like you get the narrative reward without the hand-holding. So it's like a, a good little step up from the skill of following a mission story to going through and seeing a challenge and figuring out how to do that on your own. It's just, like, Hitman's really good at, I feel like, teaching you or, like, giving you the tools to kind of, like, learn things for yourself and, like, feel like you are in control of what you are doing and then rewarding you for it. I think Hitman tickles the same, like, uh, little part of my brain that, uh, like, something like Dishonored or other, uh, quote-unquote, what's it, Uh, not action sims, but... Uh, Immersive sim. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. It really tickles that immersive sim of, like, here's your tools, here's everything, go ahead, uh, and, and everything works like you think it would work. You know, if you, if you mm-hmm. spot a hose, it's probable that you can, like, make it leak so you can shock someone later or something like that, and I, and I really like that. Uh, at- yeah, there's, um, like, with the elusive targets, too, which is a really cool thing that Hitman 2 hasn't done so much with their new stuff. But they have, like, uh, or even their contract system where people can custom make and select any NPC to be a target. And then you have these giant sandbox levels that have so many, like, puddles of water that you could electrocute that weren't used in the main Mm -hmm. mission. But then they are in this perfect placement to use for this NPC that there's no way it was intentional. And just everything's set up in a way where there's so much, like, freedom and so much replayability. It's, It's just, it's mind-blowing how all of that was designed like the designers at io are just it's ridiculous (laughs) it it, it is literally like one giant puzzle to to put together but like with people right and i legitimately hate stealth games um there's like (laughs) which is weird when i'm like hitman is my favorite game of all time um but like with the legend of zelda wind waker when i was like a kid we rented that game on gamecube uh there's like the very first level you're in where you're in like the pirate fortress or whatever and you have to like there's one small sneaking portion and if they catch you they throw you in the jail cell and you have to sneak out again i never got past that as a kid because like my hands were climbing up and i was so stressed and i hated it so like when i'm like a hitman stealth game i'm like i will not like that and then there was like the moment where i started thinking about it as a puzzle game um where you have to figure out x y and z to make this happen uh, rather than like a stealth game about sneaking and like once I reframed it in my mind like everything clicked and like this whole the doors were open there was just so much content there waiting for me it's just this really cool hitman's great hitman's great <laughs> what would uh as we wrap up here what would you want to see from like a hitman 3 I I really struggle to think of like not necessarily not necessarily how do you improve on this formula because there's there's a variety of ways but like how do you build on it and how do you make it uh, bigger and better for like the next go around? Cause like, I feel like maybe Hitman two understandably and rightfully got kind of a pass uh, for mm-hmm. being more of the same. Cause it's like, well, okay, this was really going to be season two and it's not IO's fault that Square Enix decided to jump ship and that like some things had to be maybe cut or minimized. Uh, but now that they've kind of seemed to have gotten back on their feet, what what would you want to see in a Hitman 3? 
it's really complex because honestly i would be perfectly fine like not getting a, a hitman 3 and just having more of this kind of like yeah. episodic structure for like content drops because i feel like that's the perfect kind of pacing for this kind of game where you don't have like an overwhelming amount of stuff to go through you don't have these like uh, gadgets you might already have you can just kind of like work your way through it one piece at a time without getting distracted about moving on to the next story beat and I think, like, that, ideally that would be, the Hitman 3 for me would be just more Hitman 2. But doing a separate game release has the benefits of, well, we can work on better engine tech for next game systems. We can have new assets. We don't have to keep, like, strategically using the same assets from the first level, like, but positioned backwards and shrunk down to look like a box instead of a chair to, like, save on memory and resources and stuff like that. So, like, it's, there's, I don't know, there's give and take with both of them where I'm like, I have no idea, like... I feel like I always hit this kind of, like, good content pacing, and especially with Haven, they have a good understanding of, like, where they're at and what people, what people want, where I'm not too invested in having a wish list where I know, like, whatever comes out, I will probably, probably love, yeah. <laughs> regardless, because, yeah, so far, so good. So. I, uh, I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I downloaded the bank because I'm like, oh, yeah, this has been out for a while, and, like, I think I have access to it, or even if I don't, or even if I don't, <laughs> like, I'll shell out the money for that, and uh, lo and behold, I was like, oh, yep, this is, like, slipping into a nice warm bath, feels very familiar, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm in my happy zone now. Uh, What do you think? They didn't really advance the story too far with these uh, DLC levels, which is understandable. But um, what did you think of the ending of Hitman 2 and where do you think it'll go? It's weird to like think about these big sweeping narrative arcs in Hitman. (laughs) Because it's it's very like moment to moment for me. Uh, I don't know because you – well, I don't want to spoil it, but the – the newest thing, the newest level kind of ends with something like one step forward, two steps yeah. back and seeing how they're going to react to that. And I think my big interest is in that is like not seeing how the narrative resolves itself or how like 47 and his weird cousin f- brother friend resolve their like childhood trauma. Like I, I don't know how that's going to unfold, but like seeing how the small little narrative nuggets from the, um, cutscenes end up like influencing the targets of the next area or like where you'll like walk past an NPC and they'll be like oh yeah this guy did this and you'll be like oh that was in the cutscene for the bank I remember them talking about that and like just that kind of like weird subtle narrative payoff is more what I'm into it than like the big invested like I'm not overly invested in the big story arc of Hitman I'm glad it's there but like the way it pays off in the smaller moments is really what kind of endears it to me it it is nice to like it's all a vehicle uh, and mm-hmm. and it, Hitman doesn't really need a story more than like yeah the justification for here's how we're, here's who we're going after are they at least somewhat interesting or like uh, fun to interact with and finally kill uh, and it's for for as immersive and narrative as it can be it really is like a game ass game you know it is it is ninety mm-hmm. percent gameplay at that point and yeah it's it's a big like sandbox platform yeah. and like i oh, i remember what i was trying to get into earlier with what um i know you're trying to wrap up no it's okay yeah this one <laughs> um with like because they kind of built hitman uh, 2016 into hitman 2 you have like this really weird progression where it's perfectly like you can have all of this like overpowered gear going into it like if you complete all the hitman one levels you already have a lockpick and all your poisons and explosives in your inventory that you can start levels with so like kind of designing 
<clears throat> excuse me, to step away from that like strict like progression where okay, a person's gonna play this much and then they'll be able to come back and do it this mm-hmm. way. And just embracing the ridiculousness of like, okay, well, I know you have four remote explosives, so what if I give you a knife that is ancient and also has a lethal poison hidden in the hilt? Or what if I give you this little explosive that when it explodes, it'll make people uh, need to go to the bathroom and just vomit profusely for 10 (laughs) minutes? And just getting into like the ridiculousness of the gear and the potentials of just all like not really caring so much about balancing or progression and just being like all right well here's this wild ridiculous thing what can you do with it and that's like the stride that they are just getting to and it's really fun to see how that's playing out i'm trying to remember i feel like i I don't think they've done a a circus level have they no they've done a circus level in hitman haven't they Uh, a very an Uh, earlier hitman but uh yeah maybe blood money or absolution i don't remember that much but Oh, I think there's a there's a carnival in Blood Money, but it's abandoned when you. Go uh, yes, it. and I think that might have even been like a story mission, so it's like much more linear or something. But mm-hmm. uh, no, they need to have a carnival or a circus level so Hitman can finally live out his passion of dressing up like a clown and stomping or oh, yeah? stomping on people with like size thirty shoes. You know, it's great once once you unlock that disguise too, you can just wear it whenever. So I can just like trudge through Haven and be like, ah, oh, Mr. Reaper, I <laughs> exactly. Yes. And I'll be like, honk, honk. <laughs> See, it is the Untitled Goose Game all over it again. It is the Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> all right, folks, we will leave it there. Uh, Alyssa, where can people find you, your work, and where can people find the GDC podcast? Uh, oh, no. Uh, I don't have that uh, plug ready. I know the GDC podcast is up on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Uh, we're doing monthly episodes right now and just talking to very smart game devs about the very smart game development they've done. And so far, so good, I think. So yeah. please listen. Um, I am personally on Twitter as Glitchy, which is G-L-I-I-T-C-H-Y. Uh, I tweet dog pictures, Hitman, and recently I'm back into Fire Emblem, so there's fun little dumb jokes from Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> and then uh, professionally, I am part, I think, uh, yeah, a uh, good part of the news beat during the daytime US over at Gama Sutra, where we cover uh, news that pertains to uh, game development and game developers, and we usually have some pretty cool features about how games are made, so even if you're not like a game maker yourself, there's some good reading over there about how the sausage is made, so. And that will conclude uh, this episode of the 1099. Uh, speaking of really good game developer talk, uh, I will be having Patrick Ewing on the 1099 next week. That's the uh, creative director over at Chance Agency who is making NeoCab, which should, oh. let me check that calendar there, should be, no, actually it will not be out by the time this episode It's on Apple out, Arcade. Uh, and you can uh, sit in bed and play it for three days straight like I did. That game is so good. <laughs> Hell yeah. Wait, is it out on, on yeah, Apple Arcade yeah, now? Yeah, it came out on Apple Arcade at launch, and then I think it's heading to... Oh! Yeah, yeah. It's on... Yeah, it's on... I, I'm playing it on Switch, and I think they've got the October 3rd release date, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll be having uh, Patrick on to talk about kind of the thematic background of that, uh, the uh, kind of gig economy, the Uber Lyft gig economy, and how that's taken over the world, and what a sci-fi future looks like with that. And I've played it uh, a fair bit of it, and I'm having a lot of fun with it, so make sure to keep an eye out for that. And uh, of course, support the 1099 on Twitter and elsewhere at the 
podcast, and I am at Joseph Noop, J-O-S-E-P-H-K-N-O-O-P. Give us a little share on Twitter, Facebook, what have you. Uh, ping all our guests and say you appreciate it, especially Alyssa here. Alyssa, thank you once again. Yeah, thank you so much for letting me talk about Hitman on your show. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Hong Kong, everybody. Hong Kong. Hong Kong.